Hello, welcome to the New Stack Makers, a podcast where we talk about at scale application development, deployment, and management. Harness automates the entire CI CD process, uses machine learning to protect you when deployments fail, and equips you with enterprise grade security every step of the way. Software delivery has never been so simple. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the New Stack Makers. Today, we are talking about scripting and the culture really that goes with scripting. Joining me for the conversation is Tiffany Jaksha of Harness and Rajsi Rana of Oracle Cloud. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, excited to be here. Great. So I want to start it off with you, Rajsi. And the context for the conversation is about how we think about scripting now and how teams adapt to scripting and how that affects innovation. And engineering management now becomes a real priority here, doesn't it? Because you have to think about the way people mold their own behaviors by the practices they are used to over time. And when you're starting to develop new practices, it can create some uncomfortableness. Would you agree with that? Completely agree. I think a lot of times people agree with the innovative behavior, but it's their resistance to change that stops that innovation from happening. And it's not because they oppose innovation as it exists. It, it can be for a multitude of reasons, anything from fear to um, habit to just just a loss of power, to just not knowing a better way to do things, resourcing, et cetera, aside. I think moving away from scripting is the right thing to do for the business, right? Like uh, as a, a PM, there, there are three things that I really care about. First is delivering the best solutions for my customers. Second is making sure our engineering is, is focused on innovating and solving the really hard problems that exist in our space, in our industry, in our business. And number three, that we're actually adding value to the business. So our goals around innovation constantly exist with, with overlaps in getting feedback sooner, increased responsiveness, reduced risk, delivering in small chunks so that we can get that feedback sooner. And I think at the end of the day, it's it's a practice that we need to move away from so that we can focus our time and energy on actually solving the hard problems that are in our industry. When you think about that, then who are the people that managers are dealing with? Like, who are the people on these teams and what are some of the reasons that they're receiving for why scripting you know, why, why removing scripting is an issue and how, how do you approach that in terms of from an innovation point of view in helping the, helping people kind of get accustomed to these new processes and workflows? I think it's really the organizational values, the, and the direction of the organization. So I think your North star goal is always, how do we facilitate the creation of higher quality products? How do we look at end-to-end software development and find the pieces that we can optimize for, that we can improve, that we can that we can automate so that, again, we can spend our time focusing on those tough problems. Another problem with a lot of organizations is how, I guess, siloed they end up becoming, right? 
there's always a, an organization of engineers and then there is an organization that does ops or does operations and, and support and all of those things. So developers really want to focus on, hey, I just want to get things done and get things built. But as a product manager, my job really isn't done until my product is in the hands of customers. It's receiving that feedback. So continuous integration really isn't enough until something is delivered and in the hands of customers and getting feedback so that we can continue to innovate. We need to make sure that we're crossing that chasm, that it ju- it doesn't just stop at continuous integration and a working piece of code, but it actually gets ended up into the main pipeline or the production build or or whatever that is. It, it needs to exist there and get deployed and, and end up in the hands of our customers as soon as possible, not looking at the different silos that exist. So that shouldn't be a problem that's stopping us from innovation. And if it is, then again, it's, it's something that we need to solve as an industry. But it's hard, isn't it, to tell engineers to, to change? It is really difficult, yes. And I think it's an industry... I mean, we're in an industry that's constantly changing and innovating. And still, people are driven by a force of habit. So somebody who came into this industry when automation of their exact thing wasn't wasn't something that existed back then, it's hard to, to convince them that this is the future, this is the way forward. And I think that resistance shows up in in multiple ways, right? It can show up as as something as simple as non-engagement or lack of interest to something that's more nuanced and active, such as an active opposition or saying, hey, no, this is not something that I'm interested in, in actually doing. I don't think this is such a good idea. I think the real goal is to get to a point where you can have a conversation that talks about benefits, that talks about the problem that we're solving versus person A versus person B. And which is why I think it's so important to recognize the passive resistance that occurs when you're when you're doing all of these changes. Like non-engagement is resistance. Let's recognize that, convert it into an active resistance where we can actually have a conversation about it. So then you get into this process and how do you then measure the change and what are you looking for How do you, and also, how do you leverage the ones who want the change? I think they are your bridge builders. I think it's very important to map the people in the organization that are looked up to, the people that can actually influence change from a bottoms up perspective rather than a top down perspective. Change doesn't often work very well when it's a directive, change works really well when. It is a, it's, it's a group buy-in. It cultivates a group mindset and it takes into account everybody's thoughts, feelings, and perspectives. So there are really two things in this, right? They're the people who want the change and let's use them. Let's use them as our bridge builders into the people that don't want the change. Lots of offline conversations, lots of, I think vulnerability is, is a good word here. Lots of vulnerability about what our fears are. As an engineer, my fear could just be, hey, they're automating my job. That's a real thing, right? And so it's key to recognize that as a company, we want to move the business forward and deliver true value to our customers. So let's focus our time and energy on that and then use everyone to to continuously innovate. I think think most of the practices that are coming into being, whether it be in software delivery, are focused on faster innovation, reduced risk. 
And anything that aligns with that and helps, I think it's all about time management, right? Like we all have very limited time and it's important to remember that we need to focus our time where it matters most. So Tiffany, I'd like to turn the conversation to you a little bit about what are these cultural changes meaning for your own teams at Harness and how has that been used for your own purposes to talk to customers? Yeah, I think it's always interesting when that topic comes up because it's like, do you guys eat your own dog food? Do you actually use, like, do you deploy every day? Do you deploy on demand? Like, how is this changing, you know, your culture within your own organizations, right? And so I think it's always really interesting to start, like, from internally, from an internal perspective, like thinking about, well, how do we do software delivery today? And how do we change that? And how we flip the script on that, you know, to make it easier and better. And and the truth is, like, when we started doing deployments every day, we deploy every day for Harness. Um, we deploy also uh, every day at 5pm at Harness. And so when we started doing that, like, it, it changed sort of the acceleration, right? And so now it's not a matter of like, do we have to spend time uh, figuring out how to work with this pipeline, how to get this out on, uh, how, do we, how do we get this code to our customers? The question is, the question starts to become like, well, how do we balance bugs and technical debt with innovation work? How do we, how do we balance that with feature work? And uh, the requests that we're getting from our customers about any issues, product issues, questions about roadmap, questions about additional capabilities, right? It becomes sort of this juggling balance where you have to figure out, well, how do I not only work with other engineers, but then also like with the whole business, right? With your customers, with your customer success team, with your sales engineers, it becomes this larger ecosystem that you now have to figure out how to manage. And I think what Rajni was saying about working with other people and figuring out, well, how are you managing your times? How, how are you managing, how are you uh, prioritizing things like becomes really important. And people come to understand that like we have to focus on the innovation work and the work that's going to define us as an organization to be able to do that. And Raj, so how has Oracle adapted? How have you you know, applied this concept of building upon what you're practicing into or what you're talking about into the practice itself? I think very similar, right? Dog fooding. Oracle Cloud a few years ago was just a baby, a concept. And today, the platform that we're using to talk Zoom runs on it. So in, in the span of a few years, we've done something right and built a product that, that can stand up to the standards of cloud computing that is being used by the number one video conferencing platform in the world right now. And the way to do that, I completely agree with Tiffany, is dogfooding, right? You have to use your own platform to figure out where you're going wrong, what do your customers need, because it's very similar to if you're using your own platform as a product, it's very similar to what you'll need. So at Oracle, for example, we want other Oracle products to also run on OCI. That's an example of dogfooding. Are we using our own infrastructure? Are we testing our own infrastructure? Are we making sure that we're looking at the real problems that are existing in the cloud space and finding a way to solve them? And I think that's interesting for Oracle Cloud, right? A lot of people who started Oracle Cloud came from Amazon, and that was very intentional. People who had built the cloud before were now given a chance to build it better, like learn from everything else that that went right and wrong. Um, 
and and convert it into something that they actually wanted to build. And an example of that for when we're while we're talking about automation and innovation is is security. A lot of security breaches happen in the cloud, and then companies are blamed for it, so to speak. It's because you know they didn't set this config right, or they didn't set that config right. But core part of it is, isn't it the product's responsibility or the platform's responsibility to ensure that everything is secure and, and, and it's running smoothly? And so we as a company are, for example, thinking very much in terms of innovation and security, something that hasn't been done in the cloud space before around, hey, how can we release products that don't require our customers to do the hard work, which is key. Because just like us, our customers also want to focus on innovation in their specific companies they want they don't want to focus on the hard parts like like that that includes maintenance or delivery or security like th- those are the boring parts of running a business right everybody wants to do the fun and exciting stuff and i think um tiffany and i are both coming at it with different angles but the same exact message that let's dog food let's figure out as a company if our product is something that we can stand behind and then Let's focus on innovating and, and improving it and finding out what our customers' real and true pain points are and how do we make those better. I'd like to turn the attention a little bit uh, uh, a little bit more to Harness. And, you know, Harness is a company that is, is definitely ahead of the game when it comes to CI, CD. And you recently acquired Drone, uh, which is that CI environment. And previously, integrations were with Jenkins or any other uh, CI platform. And so I'm wondering about how you're thinking about connecting these these new practices to, with customers who are used to the Jenkins of the world. And, you know, what is that role of scripting that plays in CI architectures that companies have become accustomed to? And now how do they integrate with Harness, which is in many ways, taking it to more of a template form where you're thinking more or less less about the scripts and more about, about the templates themselves. Yeah, I love that question. Um, and I, I can just start by sharing some context because before we came into the market, before Harness came into the market, uh, we really understood that organizations and engineers had already spent a lot of time on their CI process. And if they didn't, they at least understood what it took to build their application and get to this deployable artifact that could eventually run in some type of production environment, right? And so when we looked at organizations and how they solved for CI, we knew that there weren't too many challenges that they had. They had some type of maybe Jenkins server or some other CI solution running in a space. And that helped them get deployable artifacts to where they needed to be. And so when we talk about continuous delivery and we talk about CD, we actually just need to be friendly about that because no matter what it is that you're deploying, whether it's a container image or a war file or an ML model, whatever it happens to be, we're just here to get that into the hands of your customer. So we're here to help you with that. And so for us, Drone completes the CI CD ecosystem that we're building out um, to help customers do that. Because at the end of the day, we're here to be a platform for software delivery. So not just helping you get something running into an environment, but also doing it in a sustainable way, right? Thinking about, uh, are we helping you with your cloud costs? How much is your pipeline helping you reduce risk? How is it helping you reach compliance or FedRAMP requirements? So we're really trying to look at the entire ecosystem. And of course, like with the drone acquisition, uh, we're excited to expand CI capabilities and what it really means uh, for 
customers to have continuous integration, right? We're, we're looking to push the boundaries on that. But in terms of solutions that already work and exist, you know, it, it, if there's no compelling reason or no pain point to move away from that, then that's fine. But, you know, we really do hope to push the boundaries on that. And um, I think a lot of CICD solutions exist today to expand in that space. And, and so it's really our our jobs to identify the pain points and really make software delivery better for different organizations. So Rajshi, when you're listening to uh, Tiffany and thinking about your own approaches, how does CI play a role, you know, in terms of innovation and how does CI and CD play a role in innovation itself? I know you're speaking at the Unscripted Conference, which is looking to be an interesting discussion about scripting and its future or not scripting and its future, the way you putting on your perspective. So CI and CD and, you know, in the role of scripting, what is it that you're seeing in the market? What are some trends that you're seeing in terms of innovation? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, you know, whenever I think about CI, CD, the one thing that stands out to me is quality. I think facilitation of higher quality um, products. And I think Quality is everybody's responsibility, right from the person who writes the spec for something to be done to the end person who deploys it to the end point where it actually exists as something that our customers can use. And the significant benefit that CD offers is better visibility. It's much better visibility for everyone associated with any project, product, software, um, around the state, anyone can react to something that doesn't quite look right. And delivering in smaller chunks is, is exactly where innovation, innovation is going, right? I think of innovation as automating everything that's not letting us focus on the core part of our business. What, what do we want to offer next to our customers that will create true value? And so for me, any company that's moving the needle in the direction of automating things that, that reduce risk, that add quality, that increase responsiveness, that, you know, continuously deliver in small chunks. That's the way that we're going. The trend started with everything from agile when we moved away from waterfall as software companies into, like Tiffany mentioned, in, into CI, which most companies have figured out how do we continuously integrate into, I think, what is the last missing piece of the puzzle, which is continuous delivery. Let's, let's get what we're building into the hands of our users faster. You know, there's this quote, that's, that says, you know, software that's been into, successfully integrated into a ma mainline code stream still isn't software that's out in production doing its job. And I think that's, that's the important thing. Until it's in the hand of your customers getting feedback that you can use to drive true change and innovation, we're not doing our jobs right. And so anything that pushes the direction of that needle is the right thing. So it really doesn't matter how fast you assemble your product it's just going to sit in a warehouse for months and we don't want that to happen. So back to you, Tiffany, how would you sum up then the harness approach? What is it that you're building that you want to help people move beyond scripting? Tell us more about harness, the platform itself. We've talked a little bit about drone and I want to make it really clear that you no know, drone is a recent acquisition that you made and it really puts you in a position to, you know, have a state of the art CI tool. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about that in context of like, what is that drone mission that you're really trying to tell in, you know, especially kind of a, a, with this unscripted conference coming up? Yeah, definitely. So 
Harness is, well, our, our mission is to empower developers to move fast without breaking things. So we're really, the, and the reason why we're called Harness is really just to be a safety harness for our product teams and, and our engineers, the people who do the hard work, right? For them to be able to, to innovate and do feature-defining work, um, whether it's to pick up new technologies, new ecosystems, deliver to the cloud, use containers, whatever it happens to be. We're just there to really provide that net, right? So, you know, that you can trust your CI CD pipelines to deliver that code and ensure that it's like a quality gate for your your applications before they reach the hands of your customers, right? So if there's an issue, you know, is our CI CD pipeline catching that? Is it saying like, hey, there's something wrong with this? Like let's not let's not deploy to this environment then. We should check on, we should check the specific thing. And like uh, Rashi was saying, you know, it gives visibility to all of our engineers. Um, It's not just this thing that one or two engineers are responsible for, right? And they only have visibility into it. Like, say, for example, you've built a couple of scripts to do a deployment. The only people who understand those scripts are the people who wrote them, right? The people who can read them, that that doesn't necessarily help product management teams. It doesn't help product owners. It doesn't help people who don't script. It, it becomes difficult. And so for us, we're really just here to be a platform for software delivery for CICD as well, uh, but just opening it up to everybody so that anyone across the spectrum, whatever, whoever happens to be in your software delivery team, because software delivery teams today are cross-functional, right? Whoever happens to be on that team, they can they can do that deployment um, self-service. And so that's, that's our goal and what we try to be here for. In terms of the architecture itself, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, the Harness architecture? You know, what is its technology underpinnings? For sure, yeah. So the Harness architecture comes in two pieces. We have Harness delegates, which run within your environments. So if you have like a cloud instance or some type of cluster, your delegates are on that cluster managing it. And so they will actually do the deployments for you. And the delegates actually speak to uh, the harness manager. And so that instance is, that one's hosted by us. It's a cloud instance. And so it, it, it communicates, it basically, that's the harness master or main node architecture pattern. And so that controls the delegates running on the different clusters. So they, they have that communication model. And harness also has a specific continuous delivery language. So a different, a special pattern for how you build your pipelines so that you know, it, it is a common language that people can speak in and everybody can understand, like, what is a workflow? What is a step? What is a process within a CI, CD pipeline? How do we build those things together as a team and make it uh, a template that other teams can use and scale across an organization? So do they learn to use that language or is it natural language that they're using? Yeah, it's pretty standard uh, CI, CD language. When we talk about pipelines, we typically try to think of it as like a model for how we manage our software delivery lifecycle in general, in general, in, pro- in the process, right? Because typically uh, for any organization, you'll do deployment into a lower environment. So like a development environment, a testing environment, and then do some testing, right? We add some rigor to those steps uh, so that when we do a production or production-like deployment, uh, we can capture a lot of steps before we even get there. And so those are what 
is called stages. Um, anywhere where you deploy to a target environment, that's a, a stage. So I can have a stage to deploy to production. I can have a stage to deploy to dev. And so it's just building this common language that people can understand around like, okay, I have a pipeline. How many stages do I want? Do I want that pipeline to get from code commit to dev? Or do I want that pipeline to go from code commit to dev to prod. You can pick and choose and kind of build your own pipeline, if, if you will. And so it's that kind of structure that helps people talk about it easily. And I think you lose that sometimes in scripting because, you know, that organization isn't necessarily there. Um, the choices that you have to name things isn't necessarily there. So there's not a lot of standards. And so we kind of help build that that out in such a way that it's agnostic. So if you do want to build a very complex pipeline for your one very special application, you can use that and you can build, you can get up to that. But if you have a regular application, you can also use that and have a pipeline that works for other teams. And so that just makes support a lot easier, I think, for a lot of DevOps engineers or people who kind of sit in between developer and operations teams to help support software delivery. Are those primarily the people who you see working with uh, on teams? Yeah, yeah, I think so. We traditionally have seen like a lot of developers own CI, but then when it comes to CI, CD and security and, you know, even provisioning infrastructure, it's typically the people who sit in between development and ops uh, and that are supporting that. But there are different team top topologies. Every organization is different. There's even a, a book that was released earlier this year or late last year called Team Topologies, which shares the different working uh, practices that people, that different organizations have, because, you know, I think in the past couple of years, we've seen the introduction of new roles like DevOps, SRE, uh, Site Reliability Engineers, right? These are all sort of newer ways of working that people aren't necessarily familiar with exactly. And so, but, and, and so, you know, that kind of, there's material out there to help support that. But yeah, in, in terms of who we see really owning, you know, the management of pipelines and the creation of pipelines. It's it's typically the DevOps engineers, those people who are focused on building and supporting the cloud or specific applications and and how they get out get out to to users. I was reading your site and I learned and I was reading a little bit about un unsupervised learning and how it's applied. And I want to also ask about flexibility and automation and how these concepts uh, uh, intersect. Yeah, it's it's always really interesting when we get into this space because I think AI and ML ops is going to be something that's going to continue to grow and change how we do CI, CD today and, and in the future because it's it's really building these intelligent systems and and models that understand data that we may otherwise not be able to keep up with or be able to understand ourselves. And so when we talk about unsupervised machine learning, it's pretty different from supervised machine learning where, you know, in supervised machine learning, you typically have some data points and you want to map it to a specific output, right? A specific answer. So you're essentially trying to find a function that maps X to Y, but in unsupervised learning, you have some data points like X, X, but you don't have a particular Y and so uh, a particular output. So in unsupervised machine learning, you either cluster different data points together to find out like uh, what they are, some type of category, some, some information about that data, or you associate the two. And so it's pretty interesting because there are a lot of different use cases like anomaly detection, that unsupervised machine learning solves for. And so that's one thing that we use in our platform is 
okay, you know, we're going to do this deployment to a particular environment. Let's understand like what are some some anomalies within that deployment. Let's let's grab some information, let's gather data, like whether it's from a logging solution or it's from uh, your your actual code source. Like let's gather those data points and understand like is this deployment normal? Um, is this like every other deployment that succeeded or is it not? Because if it's not, then maybe we can say, well, we want to just fail this, uh, this pipeline and let someone check it, for example. And so that's kind of how we're bridging the gap between like scripts and because scripts have that logic, right? You can basically build in that logic, but we're now building the systems that use that logic to automate and, and make things easier for, for users. Rajta, thinking about the future of scripting and CI/CD, what are some of your thoughts about it? And maybe we can just use that as a way to kind of conclude our conversation when you're thinking about, you know, the 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 unscripted conference coming up in particular. I think CI/CD together they reflect a trend towards agility, towards speed, towards a reduction in risk and a faster feedback loop between the maker and consumer. So as we move to an industry that is being more and more automated, I think this is a concept that serves developers, serves all aspects of the ecosystem, all stakeholders well, and lands things in in the hands of our customers faster. So it's definitely something that we're seeing, the larger trend being towards automation as a service. And um, yeah, I think it's an awesome thing. It's agility, speed. Risk reduction, what's not to love? You must be thinking of all these concepts such as unsupervised learning and the role of machine learning when you're thinking about your own CI/CD environments, I expect. Excellent. Well, thank you both for your time today uh, for this conversation about CI/CD, the engineering management that is really critical for its success. I learned a good bit about Harness. So thank you, Tiffany, for that description. It was really nice detailed analysis there. And I always want to wish you the best with the Unscripted Conference. So thank you very much to Tiffany and Rasha. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Harness automates the entire CI/CD process, uses machine learning to protect you when deployments fail, and equips you with enterprise-grade security every step of the way. Software delivery has never been so simple. Listen to more episodes of the Newstack Makers at thenewstack.io slash podcast. Please rate and review us on iTunes, like us on YouTube, and follow us on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening and see you next time.